Today is Monday, November 7th, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. This episode is brought to you by Uncommon Goods, your secret weapon to make holiday shopping stress-free, where you can shop a huge selection of meaningful, unique gifts by small, independent businesses. Voting for the 2022 midterm elections officially ends tomorrow. And according to the U.S. Elections Project, just shy of 40 million votes have already been cast. So who are these voters? While it's not entirely possible to tell that everywhere, about half of the votes cast so far were in the 19 states that have voter registration by party, which provides some insight. In those 19 states, 43% of the early votes so far have come from voters registered as Democrats, 34% from Republicans, and 23% from those who are unaffiliated. But it's not just turnout that's breaking records this year. Also, campaign spending, naturally. According to projections by Open Secrets, the total cost of state and federal elections this year will exceed $16.7 billion. The most expensive races won't surprise you. $1.8 billion have been spent in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Wisconsin alone. Just imagine what the residents of those states could have gotten for $1.8 billion, if not relentless advertising and harassment by political mailer. The biggest spenders were all Republican-led super PACs, such as the Senate Leadership Fund, which is led by Mitch McConnell, and the Congressional Leadership Fund, which backs Republican House candidates. For comparison, the equivalent PACs for the Democrats in Congress spent somewhere between 50 and 65 percent of Republicans' totals. The midterms are wrapping up amidst the backdrop of Twitter's gradual implosion. On the bright side, finally we'll get to find out if the adage that nothing that happens on Twitter affects real life is actually true. Though honestly, I would have preferred to find out literally any other week. On Friday, Elon Musk laid off half of Twitter's employees over email in the most disrespectful parting since Carrie Bradshaw found that post-it note. Some employees found out that they were fired by suddenly being locked out of company platforms during meetings, leaving their coworkers scrambling to figure out if they were fired by asking people to raise their hands in Slack channels if they were still employed. It's not like Elon laid off anyone important though, only entire swaths of people who work on engineering, machine learning ethics, content moderation, trust and safety, misinformation, and human rights. Following the layoffs, several employees immediately joined a class action lawsuit alleging that Twitter violated the legal requirement that large companies give 60-day notice. And if the situation weren't so potentially disastrous, there would be nothing more satisfying than the reporting that Twitter has already started reaching out to dozens of employees who they fired, asking them to come back, claiming that some people were laid off by mistake, which is why one might not advise eliminating people's livelihoods over BCC. While all this was going on, Elon was of course using Twitter to rant about advertisers, who he threatened to quote, name and shame for pulling their budgets off Twitter. That is, when he wasn't busy providing personal customer service to Russian bots. Even just minutes before I recorded this episode, Musk announced that he will quote, permanently suspend, lol, anyone who changes their name to impersonate someone else as a parody, unless they specify that it's a parody. He did this as a reaction to a widespread trend of people changing their display names to Elon Musk and then tweeting things as if he said them, 
If you are not a Twitter user, bless your heart, you can clearly see from the person's handle that it is not him. But of course, there is nothing like free speech on the condition that you fully explain the joke. After that, the accounts that had done that were immediately suspended. But you can probably find them on Mastodon, which seems to be the leading new platform that people started migrating to this weekend. Mastodon is not technically owned by anyone, but managed by decentralized moderators who are kind of just doing it for free, sort of like Reddit forums. The other big topic of conversation this weekend was Twitter Blue, the feature that will charge $8 a month for anyone to be verified and give them priority in search, replies, etc. The feature was set to go into effect today, but yesterday the New York Times reported that the company is planning to postpone the rollout until Wednesday due to the massive risk of allowing people to create verified accounts where they can impersonate lawmakers or news outlets in order to publish false information about election results. To be honest though, even the change to November 9th is a bit of a concern, given that it's not likely that all races will be fully counted and called by then. I just find it a fitting end for Twitter, considering that it all started with Charlie Sheen screaming about tiger blood. Despite the glimmers of humor this weekend, the state of Twitter is especially concerning given new reporting from the New York Times that Russia has reactivated its troll and bot farms ahead of the midterms. Researchers have identified a series of Russian disinformation operations with the goals of stoking anger among conservative voters, undermining trust in the election system, and denouncing the Biden administration's support for Ukraine. The messaging appears to specifically target Democratic candidates in the closest races, including the Senate races in Ohio, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. The major difference this year is that many of these efforts are targeted towards platforms like Gab and Parler, and therefore they're occurring on a smaller scale than in 2016 when disinformation was being blasted out across Facebook, where everyone and their mother, literally, had a profile. Just one more midterm story before election day tomorrow. If you're listening from South Dakota, a Republican candidate for state Senate who might be on your ballot has been charged with child abuse. Yes, right before the election. Republican candidate Joel Koskin was charged on Thursday for multiple sexual acts against his adopted daughter, who was 12 years old when his abuse began in 2014. Koskin's Democratic challenger is current state representative Sean Bordeaux, an enrolled Rosebud Sioux tribe, who was not charged with sexual abuse on Thursday or ever. Here's a situation that really boils my water. Donald Trump missed the Friday deadline to turn over documents to the House January 6th committee, as his subpoena required. Now the committee has decided to give Trump an additional week to comply, as they're in discussions with his lawyers for him to give testimony currently on the calendar for November 14th when you just know Trump will get a migraine and be like, so tired, can we rain check? Meanwhile, and this is highly relevant to the story I just read, the DOJ is reportedly mulling over whether they will need to appoint a special counsel, a triggering term for some, surely, who would oversee the two federal investigations into Trump if he indeed launches another presidential campaign after the midterms, as anticipated. Some aides to Trump claim that he is planning to announce his 2024 run the third week of November, with two sources telling CNN that they are specifically considering November 14th. So you just know that the January 6th committee will soon be receiving a sorry CT message. Sorry, can't testify. (laughs) 
And finally, for this very long day, CDC officials say that the U.S. is now officially in a flu epidemic, and they have plans to deploy FEMA personnel and supplies such as ventilators if necessary. Flu hospitalizations are now higher than they've been any season since 2010 to 2011. And right now, around 75% of beds in pediatric hospitals across the country are full. And Canada is seeing similar issues. Those damn open borders. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements and thanks again to our partner, Uncommon Goods. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash morning. That's uncommongoods slash morning for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, because we are all out of the ordinary. And while you're giving gifts and feeling generous, please help us keep growing the show by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts or five stars on Spotify or both. Your support means absolutely everything to me. And if you can't get enough of the morning announcements, be sure to subscribe to my new premium episodes where I deep dive into the bigger themes behind the headlines that we can't cover in five minutes. The newest episode is about the Christian nationalist plan to make the United States into a theocracy, governed legally and socially by Christian rules and values. Roe vs. Wade was just the first step in a much more extreme agenda. You can subscribe on Apple or Spotify and get two long premium episodes a month. And by the way, there is a seven-day free trial on Apple. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Betches.